0: Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette, and lake charles providing personal and commercial banking treasury management and wealth solution services to help clients succeed business first bank banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com support also comes from wyndham garden lafayette
1: From Social on Johnson Street in Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti. Peter Rusciutti is
2: professor of finance and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch Acadiana. Somewhere along the line, in the path of human progress, we figured out fermentation. Eating fermented food might not have been all that useful in maintaining health and nutrition, but it sure felt good. And once we invented currency, people bought fermented goods in bottles and cans with romantic names that hinted at sophistication, like Budweiser and Schlitz. Over the last decade, beer sophistication has become a reality. There's an emergence of small local artisanal breweries who make beer that does more than just give you a buzz. It actually tastes great. And here in Acadiana, our contribution to the sum total of better tasting beer in the world is hyper-local. Bayou Tesh Brewery, makes 19 different beers specifically designed to complement the tastes of Cajun and Creole food. The president of Teche Brewery is Carlos Knott. Carlos, welcomed out to lunch.
3: Hi, right, thanks for having me.
2: Now after fermentation, humans came up with another way to make brain-altering liquid, distillation. And all that all started out with stuff that was pretty nasty, a kind of paint stripper version of gin that was <laughs> so hard to swallow it was termed medicinal and thought to cure the plague. Again, we figured out how we could enjoy the process of drinking and not just the effects. Things started getting a little more sophisticated, bringing us home to the bayou where David Moe owns rank wildcat spirits, rank wildcat bottles, gold medal winning rum under the labels sweet crude and black gold. David, welcome out to lunch.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure, thank you.
2: Now, Carlos, it was your time deployed in West Germany that opened your eyes to the way local beer had evolved in taste to complement the tastes of local food over there. When you came back home, you decided that pairing beer to complement the taste of Creole and Cajun food could work equally well. Now, and by all accounts, you're right, but how did you pull it off? You're, you're an English major with a military background. Where did you even start to figure out the science or the art? of how to create a beer that tastes good with boudin and gumbo.
3: Well, uh, at first it was pure fear. The, ar- <laughs> the Army, good. you know, they tell you, hey, you, you're going to go somewhere, you got to go. And they said, hey, you're leaving Germany after six years. And uh, we, we definitely drank a lot of beer. My family and I, we travel. And as you travel around Europe, the beer and the wines are all crafted to complement or kind of evolve the local foods. So they said, hey, you're going back to the States, which was Seattle at the time.
2: Which was another great beer town, right?
3: At the time, it was, it was, it was probably the best in the country. but uh, So I started panicking because I know I'm leaving Europe. I can't drink Hefeweizen anymore. <laughs> and you really can't get a good Hefeweizen in the States in 1994. So we started uh, going to all these breweries. And brewers are really great people. They're happy to tell you all the, all the secrets. So they started telling us how to make German beer. And then we got back to the States and in Seattle those uh, microbreweries there would show us, and I uh, just started home brewing, and uh, self-taught over about 10 years, and I think one Sunday I got drunk and we decided to open a brewery.
2: <laughs> was it friends telling you you really ought to go somewhere with this when they taste it?
3: Uh, well, everybody loves free beer, so yeah, you get a lot of, uh, get a lot of compliments when you give them free beer, but kind of it was our, our I think, our focus on, on making classic beer styles, but tweaking them for Louisiana palates that uh, really uh, gave us the idea to start.
2: Well, I've got to ask you, College, You have, for a, a small brewery, you have a lot of offerings. Is that just you, no shortage of ideas, or
3: we have ADD? Oh, that helps. I <laughs> think uh, every and the other thing too is there's a lot of uh, like the big breweries. They make two or three different kinds of beers. They're factories. Uh, our joke in the industry is they make money, we make beer. Uh, so they, you know, we didn't want to be that. We didn't want to be that factory that just did three beers and and sell a lot of them. So we uh, every month we let the brewers hey, make a, a beer just for this month, and so we'll we'll end up doing 19 different beers a year.
2: What do you think of all the beers you have? I see, and these. You, thankfully, you have brought some here with you. Which one do the people view as kind of the oddest?
3: Uh, probably uh, this one here. It's called Bière Joie. And unfortunately, it's also probably one of the best. It's made with coffee and chocolate and chilies, uh, all locally, uh, except for the chocolate all local uh, even uh, mellow
2: joy for mellow joy uh, yeah. Coffee, yeah all <laughs> local
3: companies and it's asian bourbon barrels for about five months and it's really a delicious easy drinking beer it sounds complex but it's really well balanced um but when people when you tell them hey i got coffee chocolate and chilies in a beer they're like yeah i don't like that but <laughs> once they taste it they really do
2: but you brought up a good point here that uh craft beer people are something about them that makes them want to share ideas uh, you know that's not true in technology
3: for instance right. uh, it's, uh, there's a saying that uh, in craft brewery, it's it's 99% asshole free. And there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. I, we, I, we got selected uh, with Sierra Nevada. They picked so many breweries right. to, to do a collaboration uh, 12-pack every year. So we were one of the breweries selected for next year. And I'm up there with some of the biggest brewers in the country. Sierra Nevada's one of the top five or six. And all the breweries are like, hey, we, did you try this? Have you tried doing this? And it's just a really a great collaborative industry. Everybody, for the most part, except for two or three percent, get along. <laughs> get along, great.
2: Carlos, one other question I wanted to ask you was the: uh, How do you get started in a beer? Like, did you start with kegs and move to bottling, or how does that work?
3: Well, uh, we didn't know anything about the legality of brewing, so we built a brewery and started selling beer, and then we got a, a, a call from the state. Oh, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> the, the, the first thing is to get legal. Uh, we started a one-barrel system. We could do six kegs a week. Um, and that's pretty much how everyone starts. You test the waters. And then uh, then one day you start bottling, which is a whole nother.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, I would think that's...
3: It's it's as complicated as brewing.
2: David, you're a lawyer who's quit the law to own and run a distillery. Now, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are probably a lot of lawyers who dream about a similar career path. Um, very few of us have the courage to leave the security of a career and follow our dreams. If Things go well, you'll be able to buy the building your old law firm was in and the t- <laughs> ten blocks around it. Uh, but there's no guarantee of that. As, as things are unfolding now, things sure looking good. Uh, you're winning awards. Sweet crude is available in over a hundred locations across Louisiana. But what is your current definition of success?
1: Well, uh, my immediate goal is to sell a certain amount of cases a month, every month, uh, and I'm solely but surely achieving that goal uh, with with uh, certain specific tactics uh, in advertising and representation in the market. Uh, so you know I still have a lot of work ahead of me, I'm, I'm in my third year um, and a lot of kind of conventional wisdom says that it takes five to get there um, but uh, you know I'm doing the work that needs to be done so the foundation is laid and uh, it's just a matter of seeing it through at this point.
2: Wow and you name these, uh, the, you've got the the white rum and the dark rum, yes. and what's the difference in? producing those uh
1: well the difference in production uh as far as distillation is uh there isn't one uh the 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 white rum comes out of the still and it gets proofed to a consumable level and gets bottled the dark rum instead of getting bottled goes into barrels and uh sits in the barrel until i think it's ready to be bottled and and the barrel the interaction with the oak is really where the uh, colors and, and those other flavors come in
2: wow and how long is that in the barrel
1: uh, well, the good thing about being the owner is uh, I decide that. Uh, oh, that's y- great. Yes, exactly. You I mean, just I occasionally I, sip it. I, t- I taste no way. it regularly. I, and, I was just making that up. Exactly. No, <laughs> no, exactly. I, I sample it regularly. And, uh, you know, typically it's going to be at least a year. Um, but every barrel's different. And so uh, it, it's really up to me. You know, the, the last uh, run of black gold that I had, black gold being
2: my dark rom, uh took about three years. Wow. And mm-hmm. now, rank wildcat. Now, yes. I. I know what it means, but some people say it's yeah. It's when you drill a well where there's never been anything found in that basin, is that? Right, well, uh, a lot of people might be more familiar with uh, the term
1: a wildcat well, which is uh, kind of akin to a Hail Mary pass okay. in football. Uh, yeah, we don't know if there's anything here, but we got a feeling, and we're going to drill and find out. Well, I, I, I found out that uh, way back in the old days, the term was often uh, modified with the word rank to, to, to mean a real long shot. And, and the, the term kind of became an inside joke between myself and some of my coworkers. And then when it came time to name the company, it was the perfect fit because, you know, uh, a couple petroleum landmen trying to open a distillery,
2: it's about as rank Wildcat as it gets. <laughs> so uh, so Rank Wildcat Spirits was born. One of the things about alcohol consumption that's universal the world over is the social aspect that surrounds it. Most societies have created versions of the bar room though not many of them as much fun and as varied as the establishments here in acadiana nobody knows this better than gus resende Uh, originally from san paulo brazil another place they know how to party i'm pretty sure (laughs) gus opened dick's almost famous daiquiris in lafayette and before that the jefferson street pub gus welcomed out to lunch well thank you very much for having me now gus you moved to lafayette to teach tennis at city club and you've ended up being a professional and successful party host. Uh, At least that's what owning a bar looks like from the outside. You're hosting a party every night and making a bunch of money. Now, Now how accurate is that really? How much of running a bar is fun and how much of it is bare knuckle business?
4: it's it's uh, it's not the reality the reality is is a business is a brutal business uh, It's a everyday business we you know we we, we have this uh, saying within our partners that we are gonna run this bar as a business uh, every day as a business we're gonna follow the the industry standards to the best of our abilities and we're gonna make sure that we create an energy and a culture within our staff and we let them do the party and we behind the scenes we run Every single number the way they're supposed to be ran, and we run every procedure the way they're supposed to be run. And so, you've
2: got you've it's, you know, we think of maybe Mo and Mo's Bar, The Simpsons. He doesn't seem to have a spreadsheet or anything like that. You've got you've got, <laughs> you've got you've got data and 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 uh, points you're trying to hit with with sales and ab- revenue.
4: Absolutely, especially for a business like Dick's is where we actually took over that business when the business was going. Uh, uh, was going downhill which is pretty much the same situation with Jefferson Street Pub you know uh, you know, my, my family asked me how crazy how crazy are you to not only be in this industry but take over businesses <laughs> that are failing uh, and I think that's been the the, the the proof of systems and procedures that not only, that was the, the perfect time for us to establish systems and procedures in businesses that are failing so we have been able to elevate them back up bring them back to life and now is a, a matter of maintaining them but you know, without, you know, without systems and procedures, without rules and regulations and, and, and doing that part from top to bottom, uh, these businesses would not be open today. Um, you're like a bar turnaround specialist. <laughs> I've never met one of those. I'm very, very excited that, about that's, it. That's been pretty much my career in this yeah. restaurant industry. It's been, uh, you know, uh, aside from Tropical Smoothie Cafe, where it's a franchise that we have brought to Louisiana, that we have grown. From uh, you know, from uh, first location we're on our second location now. Dix and Jefferson Street Pub, they have been turnaround businesses, correct? All right. Now this this wouldn't have anything to do with business. I'm just curious. Is what are the most popular songs in those karaoke? Do you get the same ones over and over again? Well, people drink you know we have an unusual karaoke you know we, we don't do the traditional 80s we, we kind of go deep in southern rock and roll a lot of times oh, so right. we got a lot of led zeppelin you know we got a lot of that <laughs> kind of stuff so i think i think that's what it separates us on our karaoke nights is that you know jobo uh our host he, he really digs deep you know and and we and sometimes we try to stay away from the just the usual karaoke songs and i think that's what brings a good energy wow and and a lot of air guitar, I imagine. Is, yeah, absolutely. Is seen in that. They, uh, <laughs> but actually, we have a real musician
2: in our in our midst. Uh,
3: Carlos, you play, right? A little bit, uh, uh, like uh, por- por- back porch playing. Accordion. Uh, Cajun accordion and electric bass.
2: This makes sense. You said your your family is been in Arneville since the earth cooled, right? It's a- Yeah,
3: very much, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, my grandparents only spoke French, so I mean, we're, we're definitely the old school Cajun family. I grew up, my mom's a little younger than my dad, so I grew up, my dad would listen to like, all the old Cajun songs, and the minute he would leave for work, my mom would put on like the Beatles and stuff. So I grew up <laughs> listening to both, you know, that classic rock and uh, Cajun French, and I kind of play both uh, with the accordion. I just love playing the old songs.
2: Every single person in this town has a Side gig. You it's, know, in
3: addition, speaking of side gigs, in addition to the brewery, we also have a Cajun music recording company, and we do our, no. our, it's called En Francais, it's a series of CDs that are classic rock songs on a Cajun French. No way. Yeah, my favorite is uh, Iron Man's The uh, Black Sabbath by Iron Man, it's uh, <laughs> Je suis le mon fer. it's not, <laughs> not near as scary in <laughs> French. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Now...
2: You know, we're talking about these businesses, but marketing is a big part of it. Like um, uh, you had mentioned, Dave, that um, yes. you started uh, have some radio ads I now. Do. And, uh, I do. I how, how does that work? In other words, now that we've got Gus here, how do you get how do you get in Gus's shelf, and how do you get on on the tap? Uh, uh, how would you approach him?
1: Well. Uh, um there's, a, there's another player uh, in, in that game okay, that's between, what I wanted to know. between the
2: retailer the- who would
1: be Gus and the manufacturers who would be Carlos and I, and that's the distributor. The distributor, is uh, um, uh, their job is to buy the product from Carlos and I and then sell the product to Gus. Oh, right. Uh, right. And um, so so a lot of the marketing and a lot of the uh, attention grabbing, particularly in, in the early days, is, is very, very dependent on their efforts. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they do a great job. Uh, uh, once, once they kind of break a lot of the ice with the accounts that they've already had built, then we come in and popularize it with, uh, you know,
2: our personalities, our, say, our stories. I was going to say, if you left that at right. home, that would be a be a Exactly, problem. right. Yeah. And at the, oh. the
3: end of the day, too, they are the customer. Right. You know, the distributor, if you can get them excited right. and, you know, and you can sell to them, then they do their job and they go out and sell. That's exactly so, right.
2: And this uh, middleman, is that the way it is across the country? In this state. On oh, this state, I think okay. it's state
1: by state. Uh, some some states have a, a, an arrangement where if you're if you make under a certain amount of cases a year, then you can self distribute. Uh, but Louisiana is a
2: very strong three tier state. Dave, i have got to ask you this: you've got you really have a lot of pride in both of those rums, yes. and think they should. I mean, they're so good. They they should be sipped. Uh, do you get mad when people put a Coke in them? Oh God, no. Okay, no, no, right, not right, at
1: all. I not do. You do. do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that rum is. Carlos amazing. always has. Yeah. Oh, okay. You get.
3: <laughs> I will drink a bottle, and I, I hate David because of it. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll at night. I'll open a bottle, and I say, hey, "I'm just gonna, especially the the, uh, the gold."
1: The black gold. The
3: black gold. I'll pour a little bit. I say, "I'm going to save the rest because it's very hard to get," and then all of a sudden. It's all gone. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just amazing, amazing rum. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and Gus.
2: And what's on the other side, by the way? I mean, you get you get approached by distributors, right?
4: We get approached every day. You know, every day they come in to take the usual uh, weekly order. That there is usually a new item either uh, from a beer distributor or from the liquor distributor. And I, I think the way we look as owners is that number one uh, is that representative behind the product. Can we? Can you right. feel the energy that he actually likes the product? Will he drink the product? Will he actually? You know. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing is how the, the the sellability of the product. So for this one here, it was easy for me. You know, the rum. Right. It was easy. Why? I'm from Brazil. Caipirinha is the number one yeah. national drink in Brazil. We can, you know, if we can find cachaça, the, the, the traditional sugar cane rum back, you know, if the, the distributor is having a hard time, that's an that's easy replacement. But now, now it's not even a replacement. We just make our caipirinhas with sweet crude now. Yeah, so, fantastic, yeah. So, so the bottom line is is finding the ability. Now, when it comes to LA 31, it just becomes such a household name. It sure has. Acadia. I mean, we, it just, we, just, we, just, we just sell this stuff, you know, through draft, through bottles, that it's just not even a, it just becomes a regular product for us. So it just really depends on the product. How they approach us, uh, how they tell us that you know how we're gonna sell the product, the Cajuns, the the new the new the new draft is just you know attracting the college students. So it's just how we are approached and how we see we can actually make this product work. Now you know? each of you,
2: uh, David Carlos, how far do you do, do you have your product out? Is how far from Lafayette does it go?
1: Uh, well, uh, uh, Carlos is a lot more widespread than I am at the moment. Uh, I in am in more uh, ways than one. <laughs> oh, no, come not on, true. Come it, on is, it is radio. That don't, is believe a- <laughs> don't believe him. Don't believe him. I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm distributed throughout the state of Louisiana and have been for about uh, most of the of the time that I've been that the company's been out. Uh, I very recently broke into Texas distribution. But that's that's very recent, and I'm uh, in the early stages of developing that market. It's going pretty well so
2: far. My need uh, oil-producing states, right? Sure, sure. Well, Texas
1: is such a big geographical market and population market that they actually have regions of Texas that are like uh, vodka areas, bourbon areas, and then the rum area is kind of the coastal area, Houston down to (laughs) Corpus Christi. That
2: is, and and he he alluded to it, but how far does your?
3: We're in uh, Louisiana. Uh, Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, and Quebec.
2: That's
3: great. Uh, We all know why that was that. Well, no, Quebec's a four-tier. So we're three-tier here in Louisiana. Quebec's four-tier, the uh, province, actually buys the alcohol sells the distributor. So they don't always, because they're a government, they don't always make, like, economic decisions. (laughs) And they were trying to reward American companies that use French. Oh, and so we right. do. We use a lot of French. All of our, Most of our beers are named in, in Cajun French. Oh, and is- so they just started buying, you know, half truck load every month or so that's to bring out there. That is great. That is now, great. now that they awesome. haven't paid for me to go up there yet to help <laughs> sell it. Right? Oh, no, but wait till they <laughs> find out by the recording
2: a play. that's playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's got to that's get. Now, both of you guys have gone out of your way to get um, local... Local materials, local uh, local ingredients, right? Well, no, I
1: would say that the opposite is true. Uh, I make rum because of the Okay, right. Really. Um, you know, I, I, I always wanted to distill spirits. I, I, I've had an appreciation for fine spirits. Um, when it came time to actually making it a reality, uh, you know, you can look up and down any street outside of town and there's cane growing everywhere. Um, and, and sugar cane makes rum. So um, I became a rum enthusiast as a, as I learned how to make the best rum I could make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, the availability of that uh, of of that substance here is is what led to my product. Wow. And Gus, was-
2: you got to make sure you don't have bartenders that like the product too much, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that's <laughs> a
4: that, that's a that's a that's a tough uh, you know swing in the hip. You know, you got to make sure that <laughs> right. you you throw a good party and you you keep everybody engaged. But at the end of the day, it goes back to running a business properly with margins, with systems, and. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely, a, it's probably one of the hardest parts, you know, is like finding that balance, you know, no, this, and uh, we've been successful on that. We've, we have some hiccups in the past, I think, <laughs> just like any other one. Well, our <laughs> hardest thing
3: at the brewery was trying to come up with a drinking policy for the employees, because you don't want to say no. Right, right. But you also can't say yes to everything, because there, there are some people who don't handle Correct. it. No, well. no, you're absolutely right. right.
1: I, I recently... Uh, I recently had to, uh, to enforce a one-shot-per-hour rule at the <laughs> distillery, <laughs> and I'm the only employee. <laughs> 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 oh, <man. laughs> that, is, that is great.
2: Charles, with that <laughs> Quebec connection, is, does it work for something other than than alcohol? I mean, if you had other products that had French names, I'd or?
3: imagine so. But I don't know if the government buys any products besides the alcohol. Yeah. I'm not really sure of it. And, and it's it's difficult. Uh, fortunately, we have quite a few people at breweries speak French because they, Quebec only does business in French. They will not stoop to doing it right? in English. Yep. So it's. We get the emails for the orders, and we have to hand it off to one of our employees who's uh, fluent in oh. French. To, I'm already to thinking
2: of suckery blur potato chips or something like that, <laughs> trying to make some money here. This is, this, is this is the time that we do the checklist. It's part of the show where we take a little break and ask you a quick question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. Um, I'm going to start with David, if you came back to the show in three years, how would the company be different now?
1: Well, hopefully, I'd be in several states, and uh, I'd have made it through that door of uh, of a, a reg- revolving case sales per month. Um, I would uh, I would no longer be nail biting <laughs> or white knuckling uh, uh, my my uh, my yearly report, and um, and like Carlos has achieved, sweet crude rum and black gold rum would be household names throughout the South. That's, That's really is- my ultimate goal. That's where
2: I want to be in another three years. I always think that those beginning years. Will- pretty tough in rum particularly the dark rum because you've got a uh, you've got a whole bunch of it that needs to be uh yeah. aged mm-hmm. and uh and then like for instance you've been in business three years so your first batch is being sold now is that uh,
1: well it, it actually came out uh, almost exactly a year ago okay um and uh i only made about 50 cases of it and if i if i knew if i knew then what i know now i would have kept that <laughs> I would have kept half of that, uh, and 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 been able to <laughs> bring it, it out here to the too, market. Which is great. They, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, but uh, I sold it all to the distributor, and it, at, at that point it was out of my control, and and it uh, pretty much disappeared. Really? Within yeah, within the year. Now it's pretty well all gone. <laughs> and, but but I, I have to wait another at least year before I have more ready. So and you're making I, bigger batches now? T- well, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got to learn how to get that into a rhythm that's
2: uh that's economically you know viable for the business well, that's, that's a, one of my challenges that's a good problem to have gus, yes <laughs>
4: <laughs> now gus employee turnover is expensive how do you retain people energy energy, energy. it's all about the energy uh, you know especially bringing businesses back from where they were uh i think it goes for every business energy brings uh morale morale brings culture and culture brings people that they're behind it's not just about the money it's about, you know, the, the the culture you create within your business. It transpires to the customers, it transpires to the vendors, and everybody wants to be there and everybody wants to follow the rules. So energy from top to bottom, from ownership all the way to every single employee, if we have a positive energy day in and day out, it definitely helps this business because it's such a tough business, an everyday revolving door. It's like you know my, my it's a good friend of mine told me, it's a project that never ends. You start today, and you're going to close the door tonight, and tomorrow starts again, and you never finish that project. It's every day. So energy, it's, it's huge.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you, uh, Gus, if you have some extra time, you may want to teach in the business school, because that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Carlos, what part of your job gives you the most satisfaction?
3: You know, it's uh, when you pour a glass for somebody. So I'll uh, be in an event, or even at the tap room at the brewery, and, and you pour a glass, and they go, Oh, that's nice. So, uh, for instance, we do a blackberry beer, and it, it really means a lot when people like this. This is my grandparents on the yeah. label. Had a little country oh, store yeah, in look at that. That's So it's cool. a blackberry beer aged seven years blonde barrels. And you tell some people that, like, I don't like those kind of beers. I like, you know, one of the big ones. And you pour this, and they, oh, that's nice. It really makes my day.
2: Wow, there's so more than money and being famous. Well, you're not going to get rich in this industry. <laughs> yeah. There's a joke.
3: Uh, how do you get? How do you make a, a, a large fortune as a craft brewer? Or oh, how do you make a small uh, fortune as a craft brewer? You start with a large one. <laughs> so uh, you're not going to get rich. So really, the only satisfaction you get is when people well, are that's, excited. that's got to be a nice feeling, though.
2: David Moe, Carlos Not, Gus Resende. There's only one thing better than talking about beer, rum, and and that's making them and drinking them. It's, it's time to let you get back to what you're lucky enough to call work. It's been great to meet you. Thanks so much, all of you, for taking the time to join men Out to Lunch. Thank you very oh, much. it's been it wonderful. It Thank was you. Awesome. This is a great show. I ought to bring <laughs> alcohol people in more often. This is the, uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Carlos Knott, president of Bayou Tesh Brewery, David Moe, founder of Rank Wildcat Distillery, and Gus Resendez, owner of Dick's Almost Famous Daiquiri's. You can find out more about Carlos, David, and Gus's adventures in beer, rum, and daiquiries by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Social Southern Table and Bar at Lafayette. Social is open six days a week for lunch and dinner and brunch on Sundays. The producer of the show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Chris Keogh. Our theme song, on Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadet. If you want to know what we really all look like you can find photos from this show on our website i know god help us and facebook page these photos were taken by gwen oakland you can get the show as a podcast you can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites it's akadiana.com and krvs.org support for out to lunch Acadiana comes from wyndham garden lafayette located off pinhook near calice saloon Wyndham Garden Lafayette has 290 sleeping rooms and 14,000 square feet of meeting space to accommodate groups from 10 to 500 for meetings, conferences, weddings, and high school reunions. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Rashudi. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch.
0: Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including Lafayette and Lake Charles, Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.